0: The Brandon Tatum Show is on KTAR News, 92.3 FM. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the show. I know you've been waiting for me to come back this week. I know I've missed you guys. I've been waiting to get in the booth and be able to have a conversation about some of the things that have been just grilling me all week long. And I can't wait to talk about it. But first of all, I want to. Let you guys know a little bit of insight about who I am. Some of y'all, this may be the first show you're watching. For others, you've watched the last show, and, and I talk, talk, spoke a little bit about who I am, where I come from, and things of that nature. But I know the biggest question that I get asked every time I go somewhere, whether it's a speaking engagement, um, no matter where I go, people often ask me, how did you become a conservative? How does a black man from the hood with tattoos everywhere used to have gold teeth in his mouth, sagging his pants, somehow become a Trump loving conservative? And that's why I want to start this segment off by describing a little bit of my background. I spoke about how I grew up. Uh, I spoke about uh, my experiences in college becoming a police officer. And now we're going to we're going to transition from that point until politics and how I got to the point that I'm at right now. So. While I was a police officer when I became more politically active. Right. I wasn't into politics. I didn't vote. I just it didn't mean much to me. And then when them taxes started hitting, when I started watching that money come out of my pocket, I started to believe or think that, you know what, I need to really figure out what's going on here and be more politically active because I don't like um, the government taking all of my money. So then I began to, to, to look into the politicians, uh, Barack Obama, his first term. I did not vote for him because I made up in my mind that I wasn't going to vote for the man just because he was black, which a lot of people I knew, which which that's what they did. And I, I don't blame him to a certain degree. You know, the first black president, this was a huge step in the right direction for our country, and, and which is what I believed at the time. But I said, you know what, I'm not going to vote for him. But next year. I'm going to be prepared next year. I'm going to look at the information. I'm going to evaluate them, you know, from a from a fair perspective. And then I'm going to make my decision. So Obama versus Mitt Romney. I felt like Obama was much better than Mitt Romney. I felt like Obama sound good. You know, he talked the talk. He seemed like he had solutions. I wanted him to finish his his second term. He had a chance to do something the first time around. Um, So I I voted for him. You know, obviously now I, I regret it. I think it was probably the worst vote that I've made, other than John McCain. When I voted for him, and he didn't do what he promised he was going to do. But anyway, I voted for the man, and then his rhetoric against police is what changed my mind. It, it that, that everything fell apart from there. He bashed the police officers. He 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 didn't apologize. And let me give you an example. During in Ferguson, Michael Brown was shot justifiably. Not only proven by the DOJ, but it was proven by local law enforcement. Anybody with law enforcement experience or or any kind of law enforcement common sense know that based on the circumstances and situations, the situation that occurred, Michael Brown justifiably was was shot. And and let me clarify this for some people that are watching. Justifiably shot isn't the same as justifiably murdered. There's two different things between using force, using deadly force against somebody and intentionally murdering them. What the officer did in Michael Brown situation was protect his life by using force to eliminate the threat. He shot Michael Brown. Michael Brown went down. The shooting ended. Unfortunately, subsequently from being shot with, I don't know, 40 cal bullets that he lost his life. But moving on, Barack Obama literally trashed the police department, sent DOJ personnel to Michael Brown's funeral and and. and other comments that he made about police, it was a professor that broke into his own house. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that situation. A professor broke into his own house and the police were called because a neighbor said, hey, you know, somebody's breaking into the house. They didn't know the, the guy owned the house. They didn't know who he was. Um, the police showed up and they did their job. The guy began to be belligerent. And so they ended up arresting him. But what, what does Barack Obama do at the time? He said, oh, these police were acting stupidly. And so the, the so on and so forth. Everybody that watched TV or, or saw Barack Obama's administration, you know that it appeared to be, in my opinion, anti-police. And that's where he lost me. So I said, look, man, I got to look at the spectrum of of candidates and see where, what I'm going to go from where I'm going to go from here, simply because the Democrats had nothing to offer me. And all of them were jumping on the bandwagon of being anti-police, which I saw affect me every day on the job. So I looked at the candidates. I, I thought that Ben Carson was was the man. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, ben Carson was smart. Uh, ben Carson had accomplished a lot. He came from a humble beginning. And I said, man, this guy can be the president of the United States. Then he dropped out. And, 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 you know, some of us know why. I mean, I I love Ben Carson. I've spoke to him. I spoke to his wife before. So I feel like I have a a understanding of who he is as a as a person in person. But, man, he was just a little too sleepy. You know, I I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he didn't have a Red Bull before he went on to do his speeches, but he was kind of sleepy. So he dropped out and then he endorsed President Trump, which. To me, I was shocked. I'm like, you know, this this guy, President Trump, is joking. He's playing. He has no real intentions of becoming the president. Initially that's what I thought. And and but I knew that Ben Carson, I knew that I I knew that he wasn't a fool, right? And so for him to endorse Donald Trump, there had to be something there. And so Donald Trump came to Tucson and I said, Look, I need to go and check this guy out. I wanna I wanna rule him out. That was my goal initially. I was going to rule out Trump at the time, then candidate Trump. And I said, I'm going to go to this rally. And if there are people who are racist at the rally, I'm going to know if they kick me out just because I'm black, which is what was spewed all over the media. I'm going to know. And if the guy's just coming up with racist and bigoted rhetoric, I'm going to know that for myself. And I would never vote for him and I'm gonna rule him out. But when I got to the, to the, to the, um, The rally, it was quite different than what the media had displayed or what they were trying to push people to understand and realize about um, President Trump. The people who were the craziest and the most out of control were the liberal people. I call them the leftists. I I don't really consider them liberal. The leftists who were literally screaming and calling me a white supremacist and and all of this crazy rhetoric that they were spewing as I was walking into the arena. I got in there. People were cool. Everybody was having a good time. President Trump comes out like he's in a WWE or something. You know, it was a a pretty cool sight. And everything that he said that I heard out of my own, you know, from my own ears and I saw with my own eyes, everything that was presented in that rally was things that I believed in. Securing the border, lowering taxes, you know, the the pro-American philosophy that I feel deep in my heart was things that the president at the the candidate Trump was actually, you know, expanding on. And so after that, I say, man, I like Trump, man. I I really like him, man. What he's saying, he's a real dude down to earth, kind of like myself. And I think I can rock with him. And I made a video. I would never made a video before. I, I normally would write things on my Facebook page. And so I made a video and I wrote about it. I mean, and I, and I uh, did the video and it went viral. Trump shared it on his social media platform. I mean, it was crazy. And and, and from that point on, I really began to jump on the Trump. Uh, you could say the bandwagon. I mean, I, I, hey, look, I'm just voting for the person that I think can represent the country the best. And so I decided to support the president from that point on. But enough about myself. I, I, I'm gonna I'm get us prepared for the next segment because this is this is really this is really where I where I wanna where I wanna go with it. Right? This 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 police officer that literally he's a he, he's literally a pedophile with a badge on, and that bothers me. That 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 makes my blood boil. And I had to tell his story, and I heard people talking about it. I heard people talking about this story all throughout the week, but I need to give my two cents on this. You know, as a former police officer that that, you know, of course, when you when you're on the job and you pull people over and people used to flirt with me all the time. You know, it happened. But as a police officer, you have to have integrity. You are sworn to protect and serve. But I'm going to get to that in the next segment. Y'all better come back and watch it or listen to it because I'm about to go off. Y'all listening to The Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR. Catch me after the break. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome back, y'all. I'm glad that you uh, joined me again for the segment. But look, I'm, I'm about to rip this guy. I, I, I want I want y'all to... Put your sensors on your ears and and get ready for, I I can say put your seatbelt on. You should already have your seatbelt on if you're riding in the car. But put your seatbelt on because I'm about to go in on this guy. Again, I'm I'm talking about the DPS officer. Um, They they call him troopers. So the DPS trooper, his name is, let me find his name, Jermaine Jackson. Jermaine Jackson, 43-year-old man. He did 13 years serving as a trooper, and this guy decided to manipulate the badge in order to, I don't know, accomplish or achieve some sexual fetish with people he pulled over. I mean, this man is facing sixty-one counts of sexual abuse, kidnapping, and fraud. I, I listen, listen. I hope he spend the rest of his life in prison. Although I know it's not going to happen, I know it's not going to happen. But he should. If I was, if if I could make a decision on on how long he spent in prison he should get life and you know the reason why is because the badge is something that's valued when you have the authority to take someone's uh, freedom from them right you've sworn to protect and serve and you've sworn to uphold the constitution when you have that ability you need to take you know I would say full advantage of it meaning that you need to use it properly and when you decide I'm going to say this. People already are nervous when they get pulled over. They're afraid of police officers for whatever reason, some of which is ignorant. Some of it is because the just the nature of policing. And you use that to target women. to pull them over and hold them on the side of the road for long periods of time so you can grope them, talk dirty with them, try to proposition them to go do some stuff. At their house, this one lady said that he he propositioned her to go to her house to do a sex act. He followed her there and then she ran in the house, locked the door. And he he had the nerve to search for her and look through her window at her house. Let let me say this. I mean, I'm trying to hold my composure here. When I when I was a police officer in Tucson and again, we're talking about this DPS trooper that decided to go on a sexual rampage. When I was an officer, I spent all of my time putting my life on the line for other people. When I would look at a person or pull a person over or save a person from committing suicide, jumping off the edge of an overpass, only thing I could think about was how I would dedicate my life, my entire life, everything I worked for to serve that person. I would never in a million years use my badge to hurt anybody. And for this guy to have the gall to use that badge and that uniform for his own sexual pleasures is beyond me. You're a 43-year-old man. you you telling me you can't go to a bar off-duty? You can't holler at girls on Tinder or whatever these websites are? You, you can't do that. You got to use the badge? You have to go up and beyond and embarrass the rest of us? who are out here literally put their lives on the line while you're trying to grow women. I mean, it makes me mad because it brings me to a story of, of, of my personal experience with a Tucson police officer that that upset me, right? You got Sean Payne if you heard my story. Sean Payne is the greatest officer that that I think is on the department. But there, it was another officer that worked in the South Side. He literally, he literally made me so angry that I hoped that somebody would kill him after he left. And I'm being honest. I'm being a hundred percent. He pulls me over for a legitimate reason. He pulls me over. I was going around the speed bumps on the south, on the South side of Tucson. I was wrong. He pulled me over. I said, yes, sir. I'm wrong. I had an expired. My registration expired. I was living out of state at the time. I was only here for college. So he decided to pull me out of the car and arrest me for expired registration in a foreign state. Which is if you have, you know, uh, out of state registration that expires. The fancy term is expired registration in a foreign state, which is a misdemeanor offense. Now I'm cool with it. I'm saying, look, it is what it is. I'm not arguing with the guy or nothing. He he tries to bait me into getting into an argument with him. I told him, hey, sir, I didn't know. My dad is trying to help me. He's trying to fix it. He's trying to fix the resolve the problem. He's a fire, he's a firefighter. You know, he's just trying. He's trying to help me, but he lives in another state. He said he don't care. Do I want to go to jail? I kept my cool. I got back in the car and it, it it enraged me that he had the power and authority over me and he tried to abuse that power and I kept the ticket too, it, but I never confronted him when I became a cop. But this story, this is how it reads to me. This is how it makes me feel. I understand how you can feel violated by a person with a badge on and there's no room in law enforcement for this at all. Most of us are doing what we're supposed to be doing. But when a fool does this, I mean, look, man, I hope you spend the rest of your life in prison. You deserve to spend the rest of your life in prison, and, I, and I'll end it with that. Another local story that I want to talk about, Move, switching gears, uh, in Glendale, Arizona, a young kid, 10-year-old girl. Wh- what a hero. She She is literally a hero. She caught her mom drinking and driving, about to kill the whole family. And she decided to record her and call nine one one. Now let me say this: I don't know how mature your ten year old is. I got I have a nine year old son, but maybe her mom is drunk or somebody in the family is teaching her something. But to have the composure to call the police, you know, on your mom who's drinking and driving, and be able to direct the police into the right area to arrest her and save everybody's life. That, I mean, that is that is amazing to me. That is absolutely amazing. But anyway, they found her over on Davidson and, and 75th and Glendale and, and Glendale Avenue. They pulled her over. They could smell the, the odor of intoxicants on her breath. And she ended up getting arrested for DUI and aggravated DUI, obviously because she was drunk with kids in the car. But that, that, that story really, you know, is it, pretty interesting to me. That's why I chose to do it. Because that man took some some real courage from that 10-year-old, and, and, and shame on you, mama, for getting drunk and driving with your kids in the car, to the point where they're screaming and, and telling you that, you know, can you please pull over, mom? Can you please pull over? Shameful. So I'm going to try to cram this last good feel-good story in in the last minute, and then we're going to go to break. But real quick, I mean, this this story um, out of Phoenix, Arizona, another local story, made me smile, Right. You had a person that, that text the wrong number, and it led to something that was, I, I think, God sent, if you ask me. So Sister Frank, uh, 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 I said Fink, Sister Fink, she texted a person who she thought was a church member or whatever who had a crisis with their four-year-old son in a hospital. Um, I think he had a seizure. Said It sent uh, vomit into his lungs, which is obviously what caused a serious complication. But sent it to a gentleman named Bill. Now, Bill initially joked with her like, "Hey, I don't like seafood." But uh, what's going on? And once she found out, but Bill, here's here's what she said to Bill, and, and I like his response. She said, "Bill, you know, I'm I'm sending the message because of this four year old, a family friend, a church a church friend, and can you pray?" He said, "Look, I I don't do the praying, but I can do something tangible." So what he does is he goes on social media, rounds up a bunch of people. You know, pretty much get get it going as almost a viral thing where people can go to the hospital and support this young kid. Had a lot of money for him. I mean, it was such a beautiful story. So I'll end it on that beautiful story. Next up, we're gonna talk about a hot topic, a real hot topic, and and, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna unleash it on you now. Come back for the next segment. You're watching the Brandon Tatum Show on K T A R ninety two three. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Because this is about to get intense again, like I promised. I mean, I only pick stories that I'm passionate about, to be honest. But we're going to talk about the prohibited word or the prohibited topic to talk about. I mean, I had people tell me, oh, don't don't touch this issue, B. Tatum. Don't touch this issue because people get in their feelings about it. But let me tell you this. If I'm passionate about it, I'm going to talk about it. And one thing that separates me from other people is that I'm going to talk about stuff that people don't want to talk about. And I do have a genuine opinion about it. So let's let's, let's talk about this for a minute. And if, if, you, if you're squirmish, then... Just suck it up. I, I ain't gonna tell you to get off. Just suck it up. But we're gonna talk about this young lady named Beth, who had an abortion at twenty eight weeks. Uh, twenty eight weeks. I, I want to reiterate twenty eight weeks. Now look, in America, in some states, you have you know it's the law says that you can do that. You can have an abortion. I disagree. I think that life starts at conception, not perception. Ask yourself the question, when does an apple become an apple tree? When it's producing apples or when it's in the ground as a seed and nobody can see it? It's It has always been an apple tree. It's just waiting for the, 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 the fullness of it to come to fruition. But let me say this. This young lady, Beth, from Oregon, she found out she was pregnant based on a medical complication she had. She didn't notice that she was pregnant since she was about 26 weeks. So her thing was that she wasn't in a good position. She was she fell out with her parents. I guess she was in a relationship with a guy that wasn't working out and she felt like that she could not go on with the pregnancy. Right. Her first. um, I, I don't want to call it an excuse. Her first explanation for it was that she was financially strapped. Right. She she didn't have the money to be a parent. And the second situation was she was at odds with her parents and she didn't know what she was going to do. Right. But But keep in mind, this is 20. This is 26 weeks. This is a six month old. This is, a, I mean, a, a six months of pregnancy. This is a baby that has virtually developed to the point where they can hear. They they they, they start they're starting to develop a uh, vision. They move they're moving around. I mean, th- this is this is literally if you saw a picture of a, of a baby, I-, I dare you to Google it at twenty six weeks. This is this is this is a baby that you you would think could be could be born. There's, there's some children. And, and I had some people comment on my social media that were born at 26 weeks, 28 weeks, full born babies. And they're living today. And I understand if, if, if a person wanted to, to, to make that adjustment because they've been raped or something like that. But, but just because you, just because you, you don't have a perfect life. Well, let me explain you this. Let me explain to you this. Her burdens were what I described, but yet, and still, In the state of Oregon, you cannot have an abortion after 20 weeks. But what she did was she flew. She used money to fly to New Mexico. Then she used $10,000 for for the operation. But she says she don't have any money. I'll ask her this simple question. Why not give it up for adoption? Why not give the child up for adoption? Another question I'll ask you. What how does the father feel? Like, how is this fair? Let me tell you why I've come to this conclusion. Three perfect examples of why I've come to this conclusion about how I feel about what Beth did and why I disagree with it so much. First of all, I have a nine-year-old son. It, he was not planned. him and his mama and I didn't really get along much and and, and I did not agree. With her having an abortion, I did not agree with it. I said, no, I don't agree with it. You know, premarital sex, uh, fornication, whatever you want to call it, that's wrong. I don't want to do two wrongs. I don't believe God supports that. Right. So I told her that she 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 didn't really acknowledge it or respond to me um, to the point where I knew exactly where she stood. I, I thought that we were on the same page. She found out how long she said, hey, I want to go to the Planned Parenthood clinic to find out how long, how far along I am. I didn't know what Planned Parenthood was. Planned Parenthood was. I thought it was just a clinic where women go, whatever. I didn't know they do abortions and stuff. We get to the front door. The front door of the of the facility. And she said, "I just want to let you know I'm having an abortion." I was hurt. I was I was I was literally about to fall apart at the front door. They were going to wonder why a grown man is on his knees crying at the front door. And the reason why is because my son my child Was gonna get, was gonna be murdered in that clinic with that, and I couldn't do nothing about it. So I sat in the lobby and I prayed. I prayed hard as I could. I was praying in tongues and everything. And I said, God, please let her change her mind. Hour later, she comes out and she comes to the car crying. I'm already a little upset because she tricked me, but I wanna be there for. Because she's, you know, she's a person, too. You know, I, I don't want to completely abandon her. She's in a time of need. I want to support her. And she comes out and she go, I couldn't do it. And I couldn't thank God enough. My son is nine years old, healthy, loving, brilliant young man. Brilliant. He, he, he I don't know what he's going to grow up to be. He could probably be the president. Who knows? But he had an opportunity to live. Let me give you another example. My little sister was 15 years old when she got pregnant. Nobody knew she was pregnant. I don't even think she knew she was pregnant. Nobody knew. She didn't show nothing. She was doing beauty pageants. She literally was Miss Texas. She won Miss Texas two years in a row, preteen. I mean, not preteen. I guess she 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 began to be teen. She did it when she was was a preteen. But she won Miss Texas twice. I guess the third round. She was going in. She did a show. We all watched it on TV. Nobody knew what was going on. My dad said her ankles were swelling up, so he just wanted to check it out. Like, why, why has she got some cankles? You know what I mean? We, we all athletes. Why, why Why Bree got cankles? And so he took her in there, and they said, they told my dad when he walked in there, and I guess she got the news the same time he did, is that, um, just want you to know she's pregnant, and she's giving birth tomorrow. They didn't have They didn't have a chance to do nothing. She gave birth the the next day after finding out. She was 15. Living with my parents. She didn't have nothing going for her other than living with my parents. What did she do? She had the baby. We worked as a family. To help her take care of the baby. Now she's going through med school or she's going through nursing school. She want to be a nurse practitioner. She's done all that. Got married, whatever the case may be. That followed. Let me give you another example of why I feel so strongly about this. My grandmother was raped at 12 years old. She was 12, ladies and gentlemen. That's only three years, three years older than my son. She's 12 years old. She got raped. She got pregnant back in the day when, when, when she was younger, you couldn't even go to school anymore. My grandmother didn't even, don't even know how to read well because she couldn't even go to school after she got pregnant at 12 years old. What did we do? We rallied around a family hung together. We helped take care of the kid. Now my mom had me and my brother. What, what, what would have happened if my grandmother and, and the family would have decided to kill the baby or have an abortion in other terms? I wouldn't be here. Now, let's get I'm going to give another example just for a bonus example. What about Ben Carson? Everybody knows ben, who Ben Carson is. Ben Carson, the neurosurgeon, one of the greatest men to ever live. He, he's done things that nobody has ever done and probably never will do. He, he, you know, he, he has been blessed by God to do what he's done. Now, his mom was seemed like they were in poverty. She didn't know how to read well. They weren't doing very well financially. I don't know where his dad was at. She could have had every, every explanation, excuse in the world to have an abortion to get rid of Ben Carson. But she didn't. She fought through it. And she made it happen. And I'm going to say this because I want to touch on this. Stop. I did this is this this my body my choice thing bothers me. It bothers me. And and the reason why is because no it's not just your body your choice. It took, it took two people to tango. That means that the man is responsible too. You can't let him off the hook your body your choice. No, he need to be involved too. He need to help, he need to support. You know that 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 bothers me that people go down that path. Because what about the father? What about a man like me? Whom I'm a great man. I'm a great father. Why do I not have a say in whether or not the child that I'm responsible for? When he's born, I'm responsible. I will go to prison if I don't take care of my son. How how, how do I not have any say until he's born and they they want to put me on child support? So, I mean, that's just my two cents, man. Listen, we live in a free country. You can have your own opinions. You may disagree with me. The law is what the law is. And people can take advantage of the law. I just disagree with it. Next up, we're gonna talk about politics. Y'all know that's one of my favorite subjects. So we're gonna talk about politics. We're gonna talk about the debate. And then there's a guy, a black man, who used to love Trump. Now he don't like him. We're gonna get into that on the next segment. You're watching the Brandon Tatum show on KTAR923. Y'all better come back and stay tuned. <laughs> This is the Brandon Tatum Show. The Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into these politics real fast and in a hurry. So I want to talk about the debates. But before I get to the debates, because I I mean, if you're a conservative, you definitely think it was a clown show. If you're not a conservative, you may be encouraged by what uh, um, Joe Biden did and, and some of the other candidates that. They made it a little more competitive this time. But let's talk about a story that I think is connecting with me is that there's a there's an African-American guy. I mean, if you watch my show, you know, who I am, you know, I support the president. I'm a black Trump supporter or black conservative, whatever you want to call it, however you want to title me. I consider myself to be an American. Um, I just so happen to like President Trump. But there's another gentleman. And I don't know if you guys remember Um, about I don't know, about three years ago when Donald Trump said, there's my African-American if you don't remember it, I'm going to play the clip for you so you can listen exactly what he said. This is what he said. We had a case where we had an African-American guy who was a fan of mine. Great fan. Great guy. In fact, I want to find out what's going on with him. You know what? I'm? Uh, look at my African-American over here. Look at him. Are you- now, <laughs> I love Trump, right? I love him. But this sounds kind of crazy, right? I mean, my African-American. Now, some people say, oh, man, this is his racial. Uh, he's racist or whatever. He's in disingenuous. But what it comes down to for me is that this is a person who I think is sometimes he can be racially insensitive. Right. And the reason I'm saying racially insensitive is because if you didn't grow up around black folks, you ain't been around black people your whole life. There are certain things that you just can't say because it don't come across right. Now, in, in, in Trump's defense, I, for 100 percent, I'm 100 percent sure he's not a racist, right? He's not a racist person. But if you are not socialized or you don't understand that to black people that sound crazy, then you may utter some words like that. But my disagreement with the gentleman that this story is surrounded, surrounded about or whatever, his name is uh, Gregory Cheadle. I think that was the gentleman that the president was referring to. But at some point, he was a Trump supporter, right? He loved Trump. He Obviously, he was at the rally. And then he said at some point, he had a change of heart, right? His breaking point was that Trump, uh, you know, I guess supports white supremacy. Um, another thing that he had mentioned was Trump's, I guess, rhetoric against the squad, Ilan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and the rest of them. And what he said about Baltimore. Now, I am going to methodically go through and describe to you all why I think that his approach was disingenuous at best. Now he can have his opinion. It is what it is. You don't have to support the president. I still do and many others. But this is why I I, I take issue with what he said because I think it's disingenuous. Now first of all Everybody keep talking about the good people on both sides comment that they claim that Trump, Donald Trump said it, it, it makes my blood boil because it's a, a flat out lie and a mischaracterization of what Trump actually said. They're claiming that he said the neo-Nazis and everybody, uh, they, they're all good people. But listen to what the man said and stop listening to fake news. Listen to it. You had people and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis. and. OK, and let me play that back. We have people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis. Let's play that back, just in case you didn't have your ears cleaned out. You, wipe your ears out right now, because I want you to hear this. Clear is the noonday sun. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also... You had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers and you see them come with with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bat. Facts. I mean, I don't know what's what's the problem with that. Those are facts. The police chief said the same thing he said on the day of the incident. Trump is not saying that neo-Nazis were good people in in the conversation or press conference that this gentleman is referring to. He explicitly says. I'm not talking about neo-Nazis and white supremacists. Let's go to the next idea that this gentleman is saying the reason why he don't support the president because he's a racist. Right. OK, let's look at this for a minute. If Donald Trump is a racist, let's say I'll give you that. He is the, the, the trashiest races, the worst races on planet Earth. He, 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 he if he's failed at anything, he's failed at being a racist. If he's truly a racist, look, look, look at the First Step Act. Right. Prison reform that no other president has been able to do. No other president has been able to have significant strides towards in the right direction regarding prison reform, especially not on the federal level. You're talking about Bill Clinton back in the day, the three strikes and all of that other stuff that, that caused black people to be incarcerated at crazy, crazy numbers. Well, the first step act reverses some of those things. Instead of getting, Three strikes and you get life in prison, you get 25 years. There's so many people that have been let out of prison, black folks, I'm talking about black folks, that he has had at the White House. Personally, I've been to the White House three times. He don't he don't seem like a racist to me. And I know a whole bunch of black people that that he know, that, that knows him, that been around him. They they echo the fact that he's not a racist. Look at the Urban Revitalization Coalition that he has established in his administration. Literally, billions of dollars invested into these uh, revitalized areas, black communities, a.k.a. black communities. Another thing that the gentleman said that I need to touch on is his rhetoric against Baltimore. Now, what a lot of people don't remember, and I, and I, next time I'll get the clip for you because I, I want you to have proof of it. You can Google it and you'll find it. A, a, a former NFL player, was the one that told President Trump to call out Elijah Cummings in Baltimore in that incident because they're going through issues that nobody's paying attention to especially not Elijah Cummings who's supposed to represent the community but he hasn't obviously crime rate out of co- out of control rats everywhere drug infested you name it it's happening President Trump a black athlete told him to call it out he did it how in the world is that somehow Racist or somehow a false statement made by the president. Another thing that he talked that he spoke about was that immigrants are that rapists and whatever. That's not what he said. Go back and listen to what the man said. He literally described that there were races are rapists and there were bad people who coming who are coming over here from Mexico. He didn't say everybody was a rapist. He didn't say everybody was bad. That's just that's just political rhetoric that's been spewed by people on the news to get ratings and or to get elected. A Muslim travel ban. Think about this for a minute. Think This is use your common sense for one second and think about this. He did not ban all Muslims, period. It was called a travel ban and the established countries that were to be banned temporarily were established by the Obama administration. All you got to do is research this stuff. This is not this is not hard stuff. And the the Muslim majority countries, some of the countries that have the biggest population of Muslims, some of which they believe were terrorists that attacked our country. They weren't even on the list. So if the man, were, were, you know, was going to ban Muslims, I think he'll ban every Muslim country. But he didn't. I think he would at least came up with the list, but he didn't. It was Obama's administration that came up with the list. So I can go on and on and on about what this gentleman was saying and why it's untrue. Now, what's the real reason that he's coming up with these statements and now he's going to run as an independent. Now he believes that Republicans are whatever he said that they are, I guess bad. The cowards, they don't have enough gall to to come against president Trump. I think the real reason why he's doing this, the real reason why he's mentioning this, and I'm talking about the gentleman named uh, Gregory Cheadle, who was who Trump had said that's my black African American that's my African American at a rally. The reason why he's doing all this is because he's running for office. He had already run I don't know four other times and lost in California, and so now look if you want to be relevant you got to come up with something you got to become somebody, and for a black Trump supporter to turn in a flip you're going to get headlines, you're going to be in the news media. People are going to bring you on air. They're going to want to talk Want to talk to you on CNN. They're going to want to talk to you on MSNBC. Every, every Trump-hating organization, whether Republican or not, they're going to want to hear from you. They're going to want to give you life for you to say your piece. You've already lost four times. Now you want to run on a different platform because you think you have an opportunity to ride the wave of the Trump hatred and the Trump derangement syndrome. That's, that's my two cents. Now let's talk about the debates real quick. I think I can fit this in there. The debates, like all of the other debates, in my opinion, were disappointing. They were disappointing, and you got to go back and look at them. They were disappointing. Listen, when you're telling me that you're going to take my AR-15, the government is going to take it. You, you're going to take by force. You're gonna you're gonna remove my Second Amendment, and I didn't I didn't kill anybody. I'm not doing shootings. My AR-15 sitting at the house right now, minding his own business. You don't punish me for something somebody else is doing. And when you're saying that rhetoric, when you want to give illegals free access to health care, when Americans don't even have health care, when you want to throw off millions of people off of private insurance because you want health care for all, when you're saying things like that, and all you do is talk trash about Trump with no solutions, listen, you're not going to be successful. So listen, y'all, thank y'all for listening. I often say watching because I'm speaking into the future. You know, it may be digitized at some point visually. Um, But thank y'all for watching. I I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I'm out of here. This is the Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR. I'll catch you next week at 6 o'clock p.m. on the West Coast. Love y'all. Have a good night.